You're listening to a City on a Hill podcast. We'd love you to use and share this podcast, but please refrain from editing the content without permission from City on a Hill. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au. Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 to 20. And Jesus came and said to them, All authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Go therefore and make disciples of all nations, baptising them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, teaching them to observe all that I have commanded you. And behold, I am with you always to the end of the age. This is the word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. If you ever met me before, hello, my name is Coy, I'm the Associate Pastor here. And over the past few weeks, we've been digging into the well-known final words of Jesus on his ministry on earth. A great commission directed towards Jesus' followers just before he uh, ascended to heaven. And what we can gather from our series is that these words from Jesus were weighty. These words weren't a statement, but more of a command, a call to go. Pastor Luke called them marching orders for the church a few weeks back. Jesus had set out the mission and purpose of God's people, and it was to go and make Jesus known. See, these were really immense words from Jesus. And I read of a great visual description of, the great, of this great commission by theologian Douglas O'Donnell that we can envision Jesus' words as four arrows. We have the upward arrow reminding us of Jesus' authority, as the Son of God, bringing to light how important and true this command is coming from God himself. And we have the inward arrow, that the Great Commission is a call for those who have given their lives to be disciples of Jesus, obeying everything he has taught, a heart inwardly changed by the good news of Christ, leading to the outward arrow, that this is a call to go go out to the nations, to others, a command to evangelize, to go and share the gospel to those around you, that this is a faith in a saviour who wants to be known. And the last arrow is how we're going to close off our series, the downward arrow, that in this great commission, Jesus' last words to his disciples was that of a promise, a promise that he will be with them always to the end of the age. An arrow pointing downwards because this is God himself who's come down to us and promised his followers that he will remain with them until the very end. And I just love how Jesus closes with this promise because, as I said before, that the Great Commission call from Jesus was a weighty one. You know, as we've heard over the last few weeks, for many of us, it's not easy to just up and go and tell the gospel. Christians can often feel intimidated, worried about how people may react unsure about what to say or do. For some, it could even affect their livelihoods. And so the final word from Jesus telling his disciples that he will be with them until the end is a crucial one. But what I love, what I also love is that this promise impacts each of Jesus' previous statements in the commission. Notice that he says, and behold, I am with you always. With the and behold, it's like Jesus is saying to his followers, With all that I've said and commanded you, now listen to this. Take a look at this. So he said, all authority which has been given to me, listen, I am with you. 
Go and make disciples, but don't worry, I am with you. Teach them to obey what I've taught you, but remember, I am with you. It's such a wonderful way to end the Great Commission that he closes it with this promise, a promise that makes everything he has just commanded his disciples so much better. And today we're going to look at how his promise to be with us always reassures all that he has said prior to this. And what I think stands out first from his promise is that Jesus' promise brings comfort. So during my high school teaching days, I remember I was a I was given the short straw of having to go on the year seven camp. Why I sound so negative is because if you know me at all, I am not very outdoorsy at all. I hate the outdoors. It's like if there's flies, mozzies, hiking, fauna, I'm a goner, right? So I went and of course, there was a massive hike, yay. A massive hike through bushland, even more yay. And it just had to be me at my peak fitness self that was the one lagging at the back, taking care of the kids that were hanging at the back, the ones that were lagging behind, struggling up that incredibly tall mountain. And the next thing we knew, the middle pack, the cool kids, the front, the smart kids, and the camp director were far ahead, were so far ahead, they kept walking that we lost them. And so the three kids behind with me looked scared and aimless, almost as scared as their teacher. But of course, I was the adult there. I was their teacher, so I reassured them that they will be okay. I won't leave them. So the four of us kept going and going, and we finally got to the rest of the waiting pack. You know, there's no twist in the story. It wasn't going to end with me saying, and I'm still in that mountain or anything like that, right? Thank God. But it's a memory that will stay with me because I'll always remember the faces of these kids with me once they were reassured that their teacher was going to stay with them. I'd imagine for those three year seven kids, it would have been a great comfort that such an outdoorsy, smart teacher was with them through it all. Like it really would have been the worst thing if I just up up and left as their leader, which brings us to the disciples of Jesus. We remember that these were followers who had not long ago seen their rabbi, their teacher, whom they had followed for days and nights for years, their master who had claimed to be the son of God, who they had just witnessed die on the cross, be buried, yet raised to life three days later, confirming that he is who he really says he is, that he had come to save humanity, and yet now was the time that he would leave? To put ourselves in the shoes of the disciples, knowing that Jesus would have to leave, not long after they had just seen the risen Christ with their own eyes, it could have been unnerving, discouraging, even demoralizing for the disciples. Their faith was finally affirmed in the risen Christ. Their teacher was right. He is the Savior. We have seen him. He is risen. But now he has to go and leave them with the daunting task of pointing people's eyes and hearts to true worship. They could have been made to feel like he was deserting them, Like imagine that epic scene in Braveheart, the movie Braveheart, where William Wallace is giving his big speech to his troops where he's leading. They may take our lives, but they'll never take our freedom. And then instead of going to battle, William Wallace goes on his horse and he goes home. That would make no sense. They would feel so abandoned, so deserted. Would have felt like they lost the war before before they had even begun. Which is why Jesus' promise is so comforting. The disciples didn't have to feel discouraged or disheartened. 
because Jesus assures them that while he may be physically leaving, his presence with them remains. See, in John chapter 14, verse 16, during Jesus' earthly ministry, he says to his disciples, and I will ask the Father and he will give you another helper to be with you forever. Even the spirit of truth whom the world cannot receive because it neither sees him nor knows him, you know him for he dwells with you and will be in you. I will not leave you as orphans, I will come to you. See, before Jesus' promise in the Great Commission to be with his followers until the end of the age, he had already told his disciples of a helper, a counsellor, who would come to be with his people forever, the Holy Spirit. See, for the disciples hearing the Great Commission, it wouldn't be very long until they understood what Jesus meant there in John 14. For not long after they witnessed Jesus return to heaven, they would, have been all, they would be all filled with the Holy Spirit on the day of Pentecost, seen in Acts chapter 2. How does Jesus' presence remain with his followers for such a big mission to, as to go and make disciples of all nations? Jesus stays with us through his Spirit whom he has sent to us. See, a few weeks ago, we looked at the importance of Jesus' authority in this great commission. We're drawing, uh, drawing out the theology of God, how while there is only one God, there are three distinct persons in this Godhead, what we call the Trinity. We have God the Father, we have God the Son, and the third person of that Trinity is God the Holy Spirit, who came and filled the disciples on that day of Pentecost. And it was the Spirit who was promised by Jesus who would come and be with his disciples to be our helper, to be our counsellor, to be our comforter. He is the ongoing presence of God. See, the presence of the risen Christ in God's people through the Spirit, whose Scripture says leads, guides, guards, sanctifies, strengthens, empowers the believer. He is the personal presence of Jesus who John chapter 14, 23 says, makes a home in us. So isn't that amazing? To the follower of Jesus, through the Spirit, the presence of Jesus houses in us. We have the Spirit of Christ residing in us. The Apostle Paul writes in Romans 5, verse 5, God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit who has been given to us. What an amazing comfort that is as believers of Jesus. So author and theologian J.C. Ryle says, Though left alone like orphan children in a cold, unkind world, the disciples were not to think they were deserted. Their master would always be with them. Though commissioned to do a work as hard as that of Moses when sent to Pharaoh, they were not to be discouraged for their master would certainly be with them. And I think J.C. Ryle makes a great point here by referring back to Moses in the Old Testament because Jesus' promise here to be with his followers is quite reminiscent of many stories told in the Old Testament, stories where God's servants were commissioned as well, sent out, called to be messengers of God. And the Lord will tell them that he is with them. Exodus 3 verse 12, God said to Moses, But I will be with you, and this shall be the sign for you that I have sent you. When you have brought the people out of Egypt, you shall serve God on this mountain. Or Joshua 1 verse 5, God says to Joshua, No man shall be able to stand before you all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. So as Moses 
Joshua, but there's more. There's Abraham, Isaac, Gideon, Samuel. These are just a few of the examples of the people sent out by God to be his messengers with the assurance of God's presence with them. So here, Jesus, in his great commission, reminds his followers, reminds us firstly who he exactly is, that Jesus has all the authority in heaven and on earth, that he is the Lord who had come to seek and save the lost. And it's now his disciples who will be sent out to do his work. But it's in his lasting promise that they can do so, that we can do so confidently. Because the God whose authority and presence, who is with the great heroes that we read about in the Old Testament, the great heroes of faith, who is with them every step of the way, is the same God who has assured his followers today that he will be with us in our important task of making him known. This Jesus, with all authority over every encounter, every calamity, every futility, every enemy, every circumstance, he promises to be with you. Now, how encouraging is that? And this is especially encouraging for us as Christians today because in the Bible we read about people like Moses who actually were nervous, doubting, overwhelmed when called by God to go. Even though they were assured by God that God will be with them, they were still doubting. Yet we, got, we get to read of how it all played out in Scripture, that each time God said that he will be with them, he was truly with these people. To every person the Lord said, I will be with you, God kept his promise. And yet, why is it still so hard to be confident when it comes to sharing the gospel or discipling others? Some of us already know wholeheartedly that you know, God is with us since we're Christians, so we, we must have the Holy Spirit. Yet even then, it can still be a daunting task. And I think the reason for that is that deep down, we, we fear the failure that can come with it. We get, we get nervous at the thought of rejection from sharing the good news of Jesus, apprehensive at the thought of investing in someone, discipling them only to see it fall by the wayside. Perhaps you've witnessed somebody that you deeply care about, a family member, a friend, and it didn't turn out how you wanted, and it scarred you. See, the fear of failing in making disciples can discourage us, even hold us back from ever wanting to do it again. But there's an added comfort from Jesus' promise that can help alleviate our worries. Jesus says to his followers, I am with you always. It means he doesn't desert us in these gospel-sharing moments that don't turn out the way that we want. He doesn't take breaks or only promises his presence when things go well or when you succeed. But his presence is with us always. If they mock and reject you, the Lord is with you. If they stop meeting up with you, the Lord is with you. If they throw you in jail, the Lord is with you. If they believe him as their saviour, the Lord is with you. See, theologian Don Carson says, our English word of always masks a Greek expression found only here and meaning the whole of every day. 
Jesus promises to be with his disciples as they make disciples of others, not only on the long haul, but the whole of every day. See, what a huge comfort that is. Jesus, all authority is his, is with us the whole of every day. See, John Piper says of this passage, all authority is mine gives you your warrant for such an outrageous mission. I will be with you gives you your hope that you can do it. When we're in the business of making disciples of all nations, whatever the outcome, we need not worry that God will abandon us, but we can be sure that he is with us every step of that way. See, I'll go back to Moses. Moses, toward the end of his life, who was speaking to an anxious Israelite people who were worried what would happen once Moses had left, once Moses would pass away. They were worried. So what Moses said to them was, said to them was this, Be strong and courageous. Do not fear or be in dread, for it is the Lord your God who goes with you. He will not leave you or forsake you. Such comforting words from Moses, a rather different Moses to the one who was fearful when being called to be God's messenger because now he knew when God promises to be with you, God will keep that promise. Author Paul Borthwick summarizes the comfort from Jesus' words well. He says this, going to the ends of the earth or to the family down the street or to the guy in the apartment down the hall can be scary. In the face of the unknown, Jesus says, I am with you. In the face of fearful, out-of-control situations, Jesus says, be strong and courageous. When we call, he is there. See, how encouraging is that? When we go and make Jesus known, the very saviour that we're sharing about is with us. So Jesus' promise is, one, a great comfort to us. He has all the authority on heaven and on earth, and he's with us. He has sent us his helper, his spirit, who houses with us so that we can go and make disciples with the assurance of his presence the whole of every day. And it really is perfect that the spirit is called our helper because that's what he exactly does, especially when it comes to this great commission. Because in Jesus' promise to be with us always, it means when we go, We go in his power. See, over the past few years here at Melbourne West, I've had the privilege of hearing the gospel stories of those who have decided to get baptised. And I remember hearing one young lady's story of how she was normally quite a shy person, soft-spoken, not the type to start much conversation. Like If you'd known her and uh, know who I'm talking about, you would imagine her, you'd know that she's a very, very quiet personality. Yet one day she was with a friend from uni and out of nowhere she had the the sudden urge to talk about how she was going to get baptised in a few weeks and told her friend about Jesus. She admitted to me that this was so unlike her. She said that after the conversation with her friend, she thought back to what she had said and almost had no idea how she spoke with such boldness, clarity and enthusiasm about the gospel. She could only say it was because of Jesus. This is a wonderful example of the power from Jesus' promise when we go and make disciples. 
Maybe it's happened to you too, or you've heard the same from somebody else. Those moments where you've shared the good news of Jesus to a lost person and found yourself saying things a lot more clearer, more intelligently than imagined. Times where you reflect back on that moment and wonder how all of that came out. And this comes down to not some sort of spooky phenomenon, but it's a reflection of the intimate relationship we, we have in the Spirit, that the Spirit of Christ housed in us isn't dormant, not just there for the ride, but the Holy Spirit actively partners with us when we go. In Luke's recording of Jesus' last moments in Acts 1, Jesus says to his disciples, he says this, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and in all Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. Think about Jesus' promise in the context of the Great Commission. Jesus is saying when we go, when we make it our life's mission to make disciples of all peoples, he who dwells within, within us is with us the entire process. It means the one with all authority, his power is working through us as we go and share the gospel. It's no wonder we hear so many stories of people evangelizing in ways they never expected because it was all done by the power of God for the glory of God. There's a a special intimacy in Jesus being with us always. Pastor John Piper says, we don't only have the warrant to go, but we have the power of the one who is going with us. Jesus has the power to exert himself in order to bring about his commission. We don't go in our own strength, privilege or right. We go in the authority of the one who created the world, came into the world and redeemed the world. And I think there's something deeply encouraging about knowing that we have the Spirit actively partnering with us when we go fulfill the Great Commission. See, I said earlier that one of the main reasons we hesitate to go and make disciples is because we're afraid of failing. But I think another reason that often holds us back when we decide to go, when we want to go evangelize, is that we often think too much of ourselves and think too little of God. See, I remember a while back I had a Jehovah's Witness knock on my door and we had a good long discussion. And by the end of it, he still didn't agree to most things, but he was happy to come back another day, another time to chat. A few weeks later, while I was was rushing to get out of the house to go meet someone, I heard a knock on the door. So I peeked through the window and there he was. It was the same Jehovah's Witness man. And what's sad is I instinctively thought to myself, oh, this guy, he's he's so stubborn. He won't turn. I remember our chat. Plus, I really got to go. So I didn't open the door and I just waited until he'd left so I could go to my meeting, which I look back now wasn't really even that important. It definitely was not one of my best moments and it's one that I still sometimes reflect on, hoping that if I ever got that opportunity again to do things differently, that I would And it made me think, how often that when we think about sharing the good news to others, do we first think about what we can do, what we're capable of? Do I have the time to disciple that newcomer who doesn't know Jesus? Do I have the resources to help support that missionary? Do I have the brain smarts to disagree with that friend who despises religion? Can I really leave all these comforts to go across the world? When it comes to making Jesus known, 
I think it's easy for us to believe that it's based on who we are and what we do, what we can do, forgetting entirely who is with us and what he can do. We forget who is close to us and trust it all on our own powers, our own selves, which is why Jesus' promise is so important to us. David Platt says this mission is based on who Jesus is and on what he is able to do in and through our lives. It means with his spirit actively partnering with us, with his empowering, we ought not to think about what we can't do, but rather what God can do through us. Now, I don't mean this in some sort of hyper-positive, everything is possible drive for life, but I'm speaking to the context of this great commission that Jesus has commanded us to go and make disciples of all nations, a big task, but we can be confident that we, can, that we have an even bigger God who gives us the strength, the joy, the wisdom, the guidance, privilege to do so, and it's his power power and presence that is with us when we go. A person once told me it often feels like a supernatural event when the gospel is being shared by someone to somebody else. And I think they're spot on because in those moments it's often beyond us, but it's the presence of God who strengthens us, who guides us, even gives us the words. As Paul said in Ephesians 3, Jesus is able to do far more abundantly than all that we ask or think according to the power at work within us. Jesus, Jesus is closer to you than you ever imagined. His spirit is with you when you seek him, seek to make him known. As author Rod Dempsey puts it, while his spirit actively partners with us, when we share the gospel, effective evangelism is simply cooperating with him. So go, as Luke said two weeks ago, Pastor Luke said, go now, don't, don't hesitate. Jesus' lasting promise that he will be with us reassures that we go in his power and his guidance and for his glory. And it's by his going out with us where we've been commanded to, to teach others, to observe all that he's commanded that leads us to the last assurance and assurance and joy that while we're out discipling others, God's discipling us too. So isn't it interesting that when we read the Great Commission passage, it's often our first instinct to think about our mission to others. We understandably think first of us going out to them. But in this, what often gets lost is how God too disciples us. When we go fulfill his command, that Jesus who is with us each and every time we go and make disciples is often changing us, shaping us, growing us when we obey and go about doing what he has asked us to do. See, I have a close pastor friend who I catch up with every few months to touch base on how our ministries are going. And I remember during one season, he told me how there was a newcomer who had started coming to his church and he was eager, passionate to know more about Jesus. And so he and my pastor friend committed to catch up weekly. But over time, the newcomer started to become less committed, show less passion. He started to bail on a lot of their meetings. And my pastor friend told me how frustrated it made him, how it made him think negatively towards this bloke, thinking, oh, this guy must be flaky in everything he does. My friend admitted he had often grumbled and complained about him to his mentor, but one day his mentor reminded him of the patience and grace it requires when it comes to discipling someone. His mentor asked him, asked him this question, do you think perhaps God is trying to teach you something as you try and disciple this gentleman? It was a great moment of clarity for my friend and humbling, one that we both learnt from a great deal. 
Isn't it amazing that while being out on mission where God was using him to change the hearts of others, behind the scenes, God was changing my friend's heart too while he was observing the Great Commission. And this isn't an uncommon, un, an uncommon occurrence, but something that the Spirit does in all believers. 1 Corinthians 1 says, And because of him you are in Christ Jesus, who became to us wisdom from God, righteousness and sanctification and redemption. What this means is Jesus being with his believers, it means there's a lifetime of change, of maturing as Christians. By his Spirit, we are daily being made holy, more holy continually set apart for his use. We are continually being made more like Christ. And this change is particularly evident when we're living in obedience to God. When we go and make disciples, what we're doing is being Christ's imitators. When we go and teach others to observe what is taught, at the same time, he is teaching us to be more like him. Like think about the ways in which God has equipped us to, as he sends us out that we've looked at over the past few weeks. We have, had, we have his word. We had 2 Timothy 3 tells us, is breathed out by him, profitable for teaching, reproof, correction, training and righteousness. We have his spirit who John 14, 20 says, he is our helper whom the Father will send in Christ's name who will, who will teach us all things and bring us to remembrance all that he has said to us. We have his church where 1 Peter 2 reminds us that we are a holy nation, a people in God's possession, able to go out together to proclaim his grace and mercy. These are the things that God has given us to help us in our great commission. But notice they're not only helpful in equipping us to go make disciples, but they're essential in our own relationship with Christ. God's word gives us the good news to bring outward to people of all nations, but it also goes inward, shaping our lives, discipling us as we daily meditate on it. His Spirit's power goes out with us, giving us the words to say and the wisdom to disciple, but our helper also reveals things in our lives. God, making God's word clear in our hearts, convicts us of our sin. God's church goes out together, a body of believers working together as one in mission, but the church also works inward in building us up, walking alongside each other, correcting us where needed, encouraging us to persevere, pointing us more to who? To Jesus. See, Jesus' promise to be with us is such a needed encouragement to all believers because it means that in our commission to go outward, we have a God who is also growing us inward. See, after digging into the Great Commission over the past four weeks, it can sound like a big daunting task, but the lasting promise from Jesus is one that should give us a joy and confidence to do so. Because what I love about the book of Matthew is that in the very first chapter, as it tells us of Jesus' birth, it says, Behold, the virgin shall conceive and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which means God with us. So before his lasting promise in the Great Commission, Jesus came down to be with us, to walk with us, to lead us, to teach us, to heal us, to love us, to convict us, to save us. 1 John chapter 4 says, In this the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only Son into the world so that we might live through him. And in this love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his Son to be the propitiation for our sins. See, the Gospel of Matthew is bookended with the assurance that Jesus is with us. 
Jesus Emmanuel, who gave up his comfort from heaven, who gave, his, who gave up his power from his throne, who came down to a world of sinners to disciple us, ultimately to die for us and to be with us always until the end of the age. See, because Jesus came, died, and was raised to life for you and me, we can be confident, we can be joyful that Jesus' lasting promise from his great commission will keep us until the very end of the age. J.C. Ryle says, It is impossible to conceive words more comforting, strengthening, cheering, and sanctifying than these. I am with you always. With this promise that spans to the end of the age, what I think that that does for us as Christians is point us to the conclusion that there will come a time where Jesus will return and will mark the end of the age. Revelations 1 says, Behold, he is coming with the clouds, and every eye will see him, all the tribes of the earth. It marks the time where those who are his will enter an eternity in his physical presence, but it also marks the time where those who aren't his will endure an eternity without him. So what these lasting words also do is sustain us with the same comfort, power, and sanctifying we have with his presence. See, John Piper says, as long as the world lasts, Jesus will be with us in this world. The one who put all his enemies under his feet and has died for us and risen for us and triumphed over sin and guilt and condemnation and death and Satan, this one comforts us by this promise to the end of the age to do us good and to bring us safely to everlasting joy. Because he is with us, we can both look forward to the conclusion but also be stirred to go and live for him and like him now. So when we walk out these doors on mission to make disciples, let's hold on to the greatest promise we could hear for such a command that Jesus is with us always to the end of the age. John Patton, an 18th century Scottish missionary, he went to the Pacific Islands to share the gospel to cannibalistic tribes. In his autobiography, recalls the time he sat in a tree to escape his assailants, saying this, I climbed into the tree and was left there alone in the bush. The hours I spent there live all before me as if it were but of yesterday. I heard the frequent discharging of muskets and the yells of the savages, yet I sat there among the branches as safe as in the arms of Jesus. Never in all my sorrows did my Lord draw nearer to me and speak more soothingly in my soul than when the moonlight flickered among those chestnut leaves and the night air played on my throbbing brow as I, as I told all my heart to Jesus. Alone, yet not alone. If it be to glorify my God, I will not grudge to spend many nights alone in such a tree to feel again my Saviour's spiritual presence, to enjoy his consoling fellowship. That precious promise, lo, I am with you always, he says, how often I adore Jesus for it and rejoice in it. Blessed be his name. Let's pray together. Father God, we thank you that you have given us such a mission as to call us to be drawn, to, to go and draw people to you, to make your name known. You've given us the lasting words, the greatest words we, words we could hear upon going out, and that, that is you are with us. May you, Lord, strengthen us as we go out there. May you give us the wisdom to speak 
And Lord, may we be confident to know that you are indeed with us every step of the way, that whether it turns out the way we want or it doesn't, or it turns out the way that we don't want, Lord, we still know that you are with us completely, that through that you are discipling us, that you are drawing us closer to you in all that we do. And we thank you that you've given us Jesus, who's given his life for us, that we may have life, that we may share this with others, that they may know him, that we have moved from the kingdom of death and into the kingdom of life. And this is news worth sharing about, for you are worthy. Help us as we go. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to our podcast. If you'd like to know more about our church, or if you'd like to donate to the work of City on a Hill, please visit cityonahill.com.au.